Welcome to Sam's Business Growth Show. I'm Sam Dunning, a digital marketing, sales, and business growth evangelist. Tune in and subscribe today as I'll be interviewing business leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs from around the globe. You'll be learning their story, how digital marketing has helped them along the way, and exclusive tips and insights to help you skyrocket your own business. And welcome back to the show. I'm excited to be joined by Karen Finch today. Karen is a qualified lawyer, legalpreneur, and legal tech founder, qualifying as a barrister and solicitor of the Supreme Court of Victoria and the High Court in 2003. Karen initially practiced as a family lawyer before leaving the legal industry to become a recruitment consultant with an international recruitment company. Consulting both in Melbourne and in the UK, Karen co-founded Legally Yours in 2015 and was appointed the CEO in 2017. Karen also sits on the board of the Australian Legal Tech Association and is a passionate ambassador of the new law movement in Australia. Not a law firm, Legally Yours is an online platform that provides a simple and convenient way to find the right lawyer for your legal need without the bill shop. Karen, a very warm welcome. How are you doing? (laughs) Thank you. I'm doing really, really well. Thanks for having me on the show. Not a problem. So looking forward to chatting through all things business growth digital marketing with your good self today, Karen. But before we get to that exciting stuff, we'd like to learn a little bit more about your background, really. So if you could guide us through kind of where you grew up, some of the key places you've worked at, and some of the lessons that you learned that you can share with our audience in terms of business growth, in terms of sales, or in terms of marketing. Um, It'd be great to learn a bit more about yourself, please. Absolutely. Well, I could probably go way back and say I was actually born in the UK. So um, I was born in Banbury many, many years ago and came out to Australia. We immigrated um, when I was very young, um, three years old with my older sister, who now has actually um, has returned to the UK and she lives in the UK and considers herself British. So there you go. So I have all my family back in the UK and um, obviously very fond and and worked um, back there for a little while, but grew up um, in Melbourne, um, one of the luckiest um, and most livable cities in the world so um and just yeah loved loved my life loved um had a great childhood growing up and I think for me um probably what inspired my passion to what I'm certainly doing now was I read a book when I was about 12 years old called The Power of One by Bryce Courtney Australian author and that um that book absolutely um made me realize that you can change the world with the power of yourself but also bringing together under sort of a one banner to really make long-lasting change so I still remember announcing to my mother when I was about 13 um that I was going to South Africa and to emancipate everyone from apartheid because that was my calling and mission in life and her saying well at least wait till you're 18. <laughs> um, and obviously, you know, my, my story is actually not that unique. Um, most lawyers um, that I speak to today and law students and young lawyers, we all get into the law because we actually have a real passion for justice and social justice. Um, and access and really helping people in times of vulnerability. So um, that was something that I felt very, very strongly with um, and really wanted to pursue. So when um, I was 16, there was sort of another life-changing experience um, where my father, who is and was a serial entrepreneur, was embroiled in some litigation piece. And what actually ended up going after sort of seven years of watching him through court was that um, we ended up losing our family home, not because of the people that he was embroiled with the litigation, but actually because of his own legal representation and a massive breakdown in communication and skyrocketing fees and all the rest of it. So 
watching my parents go through that experience really inspired me again that I wanted to go into the law and really help people and, and, and never see another person have to go through that experience yeah, again. Got it. So, yeah, it was, it was a really sort of driving passion and this will all make sense and I will get to the point because you'll see now why, why Legally Yours is so important to me. But skip through, finish my law degree and I loved studying law. Um, but when I actually came out and started practicing and I was practicing in a city sort of boutique family law firm, I absolutely um, was shocked at how all the things and the reasons and the motivations and the passion of why I was in law um, was just not the reality of practice. So I still remember sitting in front of the family law partner and, and her sharing with me that, you know, now your life is broken down into six minute increments. You go to the bathroom, you think about your client for one minute, you build them for six, you get these five minute credits and this is how you're going to be a very successful lawyer and make lots of money for the law firm. And for me, particularly because of where I'd come from and particularly because of the area of law I was practicing and I just thought this is horrific I'm not meant for this so with a very heavy heart I left what did you find horrific about it Karen (laughs) well I think it was just that there was no opportunity where it was actually talked about client care and who the clients were and what they were going through and what results were so instead of it being outcome focused it was all about the input Um, and it was all about you know internal competition and making as much money for the law firm and that was what was seen as success and obviously I understand making lots of money for a law firm is one part of being a successful lawyer but it's not the only measurement Um, and I think that really sort of um kind of destroyed my soul a little bit and my faith in humanity. So I ended up leaving and and it really was such a hard decision because I loved being a lawyer. I loved my clients. I loved the practice of law. I just didn't like the business of being a lawyer. And so at that time, there was no other way really to be a lawyer. And so I left and ended up um, going into international recruitment, which which I really did enjoy. And it's where was the best training ground for sales because you know having to go into businesses and understand their structures and learn about what they do and then you know recruit and match and put people in um, was a wonderful training ground um, in relation to that and then um, after doing that for a number of years I had a family so I had four kids in three and a half years and that kept me kind of busy um, well I bet that kept you very busy (laughs) (laughs) I had twins I had twins as my life oh amazing um yeah. And then from there, I was sort of starting to think, so around about the 2014-15, I was starting to think about ideas of what I could do next. And I really felt strongly um, that I wanted to be back in the legal profession, but I didn't want to practice law but I wanted to do something in it. And so I started looking around and Legally Yours was actually founded by my original co-founder. Her name's Mira Stammers. And the reason she founded Legally Yours was because she was actually practicing in the UK as a um, corporate banking transaction transactional lawyer and everything she was doing was fixed fee and so they would have value conversations and pricing conversations up front with their client they would go ahead and do the work and and there was never any sort of toxicity or surprises or any of that sort of stuff happening so when she came back to Australia and she was being told no in actual fact it's all billable hours billable units and that's the only way you can practice law I think she sort of went well stuff that I'm actually going to start a marketplace that really turns and challenges that notion so when I joined her in um, sort of 2015 it felt like everything that had happened to me, you know, way back from, you know, my 12-year-old self to my 16-year-old self to my 23-year-old self, all of that was sort of culminated into the one concept. Um, And I absolutely adored and loved what she was doing. 
And so came together with her and, um, and that's sort of, you know, where we've been ever since. So really the, the, the mission has always been and will always remain that we are all about making law accessible for everybody. So there's this sort of missing middle um, that we talk about in legal services where there's people who can pay for legal services, but they just want to know how much. Um, and there are global stats out there that actually say 70% of people who have legal problems actually don't go and see lawyers and I just kind of want to pause for a moment there so that means that you have a legal need and you would actively choose to not see a lawyer so you would rather go and talk to someone at a dog park or speak to your mum or speak to your accountant god forbid rather than the lawyer so we interesting really stuff needed- it's such an interesting stat. So for, for us at that time, we were really, really interested in um, finding out why. And I annoyed every single person I came across in those early days because I just kept asking the same question over and over again. What is preventing you? What don't you like about lawyers? Why wouldn't you go see a lawyer? What is it that you know makes you fearful? Um, and time and time again, three things just kept coming coming out that were really, really obvious to us in those early days of our market research. And that was, there was a fear of going to a lawyer because everyone had the, the story of my friend went and saw a lawyer, then they got this invoice for $5,000. They didn't really know what it was for. And then they, you know, so then they just kind of got scared and, and basically did nothing. And it was such a horrible negative transaction. So there was fear on price. So we knew whatever we were going to build, we had to overcome that fear on price. But the other two things were really, really interesting. So the other thing was legal education. So people often didn't really know whether they had a legal problem or not. So they would often say, I think I need to see a lawyer, but I'm not too sure. And as a legal profession, um, you know, I think we, and this is globally, I think we hold our knowledge quite close to our chest. We think that if we start to share that knowledge, people won't want, won't access us anymore and we just know that's not true um you know we really know what the value is of lawyers and and you know that education piece just helps people to to be empowered to engage and then the other thing was that often you know you type in a google search of i need a lawyer and you just get hundreds and hundreds and thousands of lawyer websites saying i'm the best in family law or i'm the best commercial lawyer or i'm this or i'm that and they all look the same. So how do people, how does the everyday person differentiate um, between, you know, what a good lawyer is and a lawyer that, you know, is going to give them that value conversation up front and the fixed fee and help them and, and communicate in a way that can connect with them to be their trusted advisor. And so all those three things combined is exactly what we built in Legally Laws today. Excellent. So we bring, right. Yeah, go. We've, Next we've covered a heck of a lot of ground there, Karen. So there's a lot of points I need to I need to go through. So that was a, okay. that was a pretty epic story. So let's let's jump into some detail there. So you've moved from yes. law, which it sounded yes. like you didn't like too much because it was a bit too money focused. Is that a fair statement? Uh, it, not so much money focused. It was the way that we were making our money, which to me okay. just didn't fit into the into the reasons and the passion and the mission behind why I was doing it. So I have absolutely no adversity to making money, um, but it's it was the way in which it was being done, and um, unfortunately is still being done. You know, predominantly today within legal industry. Good, good to hear. I think I'd be the same. I mean, I've I've got way too much of a conscience to just build people too much and then not care about how how the process is going along and how the work's going along and just get invested in, in the process and helping them out. So yeah, I, I completely completely agree with you there. So yes. you move from law to recruitment. Um, yes. But before we get to that, are there any lessons you learned in your first stint of the law career 
um, be it business, be it sales, be it marketing, that you can share with our audience that might be of, of use or of interest. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the biggest thing I learned was that um, particularly at that time, and I'd, I'd love to say that it's it's changed, but it really hasn't um, to the majority of lawyers, is that there's just no talk about client care. We're not taught about um, who our clients are. We're not taught how to communicate with our clients. Um, throughout our law degree, um, and particularly here in Australia still, there's very, very little um, training or discussion around, you know, these are your clients and this is how you need to communicate and this is what they're looking for. And it's so internally focused on the law firm and not on the client care. And, you know, I'm asked to speak a lot in Australia in the legal industry to all sorts of different types of groups. And the, the one point I always always make in every kind of um, session that I'm in is I always say lawyers can only practice law if you have clients. So you best get an idea of who your clients are, what they're looking for and how to communicate with them because it's just really good business sense. And I think as, as um, the legal industry has never really thought of itself as being in business, but when you break it down, we're business owners, um, we've got customers, which we call clients, but they're the same thing. Um, so, you know, for me, that was probably one of the biggest shocks was that, you know, just that complete disregard for um, clients at that time. Um, it just it just wasn't even a factor in a conversation with our training, law degree or, you know, in those early days of practice. Got it. And have you got any best practices that you could share with us on keeping clients happy and Absolutely. making sure that they're, they're, that's what we call <laughs> sticky so they don't just stay with you for a few weeks or a few months, but more long term. So we're talking years. Well, Absolutely. I'll, I'll, let, I'll let people in on a bit of a secret is that clients are actually really, really forgiving of lawyers, exceptionally forgiving of lawyers. I still have clients say to me today, it must be so hard for the lawyer to tell me exactly what something's going to cost because, you know, it's, it's how long's a piece of string and, you know, these matters are all unique. And I always sit there and say to the client, you know, I just call BS on that because ultimately the lawyers are trained and experienced. And if they know their stuff, they know what the process is and they know what their value is and they know what things are going to going to cost it's just not in their interest often to tell them because the lawyer thinks they make more money that way but what we actually know through all the lawyers that we work with in this new law field um, which is what um, every single lawyer in our network is what we would classify as is that they actually make more money because what they do is they take so much time to actually speak to the clients understand what they are set themselves up as a trusted advisor that the client either returns time and time again recommends them time and time again and a little bit of customer service in an industry which is you know traditionally had none goes an absolute such a long way. So, you know, I, I watch these transactions and these relationships build across my platform between the lawyer and the client. And it's and it's not if, if you put it into accounting or you put it into marketing or sales or different industries, you would think, well, that's just common sense. That's everyday practice. But in the legal industry, it's still not something that's done um, or taught or practice. So yeah, just giving giving that client a little bit of understanding, care, listening, not talking in legal jargon, and being up front about what your value is and what you're going to charge will get them to come back time and time again and recommend you be, be a champion of your legal business which is um the ultimate goal of what we do with our connections interesting so mm. yeah i mean i think what you've just said isn't necessarily just restricted to the law industry but in sales in in many companies where perhaps um teams of sales professionals and marketing professionals just aren't trained properly and they're more yeah. interested in just talking about their product or how they can help rather than understanding the, the customer's goals, their objectives, why they, why they need help. Absolutely. And then offering Absolutely. 
tailored solutions that fit their needs and then going from from that angle so what what you're saying rings true um but why is it so i don't don't know for lack of better word i'm going to say bad in the law firm in the law industry where the customer care is just not where it should be I think it's because we, and you've probably got to go back into a little bit of the psychology of the legal profession. So when I started my law degree, and this is, this is a, you know, a story that is very common for all of us, you know, on my very first day of um, studying my law degree, the professor actually said, well, congratulations, you're part of the elite. And I remember sitting there and looking around the room and thinking, gosh, I've just driven a banged up kind of old bomb of a car into the car park and I work, you know, part-time in an um, admin role, I actually don't feel like I'm part of the elite. But there's these sort of, um, con- you know, pre- preconceived ideas and you're told you're so special, you're so smart, you're, um, you know, you're part of this um, profession that has a very long esteemed history. And I think along, along the way, what we've forgotten is what we're really doing. Um, and, you know, what we really are is we're helping people in times of need, in times of vulnerability. Um, you know, yes, what we do is exceptional and it's, and it's great, but it doesn't make us um, elite. Um, um, it, you know, we are people too, um, you know, and we're trying to be that trusted advisor. So for me, I think um, it's breaking down those walls and sort of saying that, you know, I, I talk a lot to sort of the younger lawyers and law students and law graduates about different versions of success. And, you know, I think when we were at law school, we were told success was a big tier firm with a, you know, black pinstripe suit, um, you know, and working ridiculously long hours. And that was what made you a successful lawyer. You were a success. But there are so many different versions of success. I've got so many amazing, incredible, creative, innovative, um, you know, successful lawyers who are, you know, in regional Victoria or regional New South Wales or are fully virtual online and servicing clients all across Australia. So, you know, just talking a little bit about but it's not just that um and you can have whole life balance and be a great lawyer too so um good to yeah. hear excellent <laughs> all right karen so moving okay. on you had a had a stint in recruitment how was the transition yeah. from law to recruitment because that's quite a change and are there any lessons or secrets that you could share with us whilst you were yeah. in the recruitment business yeah absolutely yes it was it was a completely dramatic change and in, interestingly they stuck me in an it recruitment role which i thought okay. was hilarious because i knew nothing about it and i remember um my little secret technique was um interviewing technical cl- candidates and saying now pretend like i don't know anything about your role or what you do um and you know just break it down because you know you might have to have an interview with the hr manager and then as they started talking i'd be frantically writing copious amounts of notes going i have still have no idea what you do um but it's kind of interesting because now obviously i sit on the board of the australian League Legal Tech Association and, and Legally Yours is, you know, fundamentally we've got tech supporting us and we are a legal tech organisation. But learning sort of a little bit about those, um, I obviously don't know how to code, but what I do know is, you know, how to communicate with those types of people and, and really get an understanding and a connection of what they do and appreciation of what they do because they're phenomenal geniuses. But yeah, it was really different. And I think that there, were, there was sort of one thing that took me back um, that surprised me the most was that when I started, so when you're in law, you're micromanaged, particularly in those early days. You can't send an email without a partner checking. You know, you can't often be in clients, um, in the room with a client on your own. You're really, really micromanaged. And when I got into recruitment, I still remember they were like, oh, no, you're, you're a lawyer. You've got a legal background. Off you go. Well, you don't need any, you know, you can just go. You're amazing. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, I've never had that freedom. And that first email that I sent 
without someone checking was like this moment of complete freedom. I mean, it was quite, it was quite funny. And I think I might've even said to my manager, are you sure you don't want to read it? And she's like, no, I don't want to read it. You're a smart <laughs> person. Um, so certainly, certainly that. But again, I think, I think what it did was coming from the reasons why I had left the law and then coming into recruitment where day in, day out, my job was talking to people, listening to people, trying to get an understanding of who they are, um, and that whole sort of, um, you know, matching. And, you know, I got so good at it that I knew I could walk into a room and if I really knew my client, my, the business I was recruiting for or the law firm, I could make, I could, I could know within, you know, the first sort of three minutes whether or not that client was going to be a great cultural fit, um, you know, into that, into that business. So for me, it was, I mean, I'm, I'm a bit of an extrovert and I love people and I love hearing people's stories and getting to know, getting to know them. So recruitment, whilst I'd, I have to say in those early days, I thought, what the hell have I done? You know, I'm recruiting in IT. I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, it was, completely you know it was it was such a life opening um moment and i I really really enjoyed it fast paced but um yeah great fun at the same time definitely i'm not sure i could survive in the recruitment biz it's it's like sales (laughs) but i reckon two times as as stressful um cool so all right karen like you say you're an extrovert you're great with people you're a great communicator so perhaps you could share with us some tips for building rapport which is really important in sales and business especially when you're speaking to new leads or trying to cold outreach, speaking to new prospects? Have you got any tips and tricks for building rapport fast? Yeah, absolutely. So listening and being really curious up front. So um, I probably have, and I think it annoys my husband, but I have this, <laughs> I have this thing now where I, I automatically, I just, as soon as I meet someone, I think I did it with you when we first got on the call. I just want to ask questions. I want to know about your life. I want to hear what you have to say. I want to see how you communicate, you know, how you, how you talk about things, what's going on in your personal life. So that, that ability to be able to make a connection really quickly, not in an inauthentic or a artificial um, way I think I think you really have to want to you know there's nothing worse than you know and I pick up the the radar too where someone you can tell really doesn't care about what you're saying and they just want to get to the point or sure. they're thinking about what they're about to say next while you're talking you know you can pick up all those things but if you're in sales you've got to be able to really tune in listen ask those questions show that you're really curious and you want to connect um, because you know it's it's those relationships um, that if you can build those, you know, within that first sort of meeting, they'll, they just open up so much opportunity, but, but you have to really want to be doing it. So, you know, if you're sitting there and all you're thinking about is what you're going to have for lunch or what you're going to have for dinner or what's, you know, people pick up on it. People really do pick up on it. So, um, yeah, so, so, so be curious, ask questions and listen and, and Love get it. to know people. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Okay, fantastic. So um, let's, let's move on a little bit. So just before I, I interrupted your story, you said yep. that when you were joining um, Legally Yours, when you yes. joined that in 2015, you said you're talking to people and there was three main reasons why, um, I think it was why you started the company or three main reasons. Well, why people don't like lawyers. Why people don't much. like lawyers, that was it. <laughs> so number one yeah. was, I think you said fear. So yes. um People are scared of the high fees. 
scared that they're going to be perhaps taking on a bit of a ride. Um, feel free to stop me at any stage. I'm just going my no, own preconceptions. And, and the, tra- yeah, and the transparency and the, you know, just not being able for a lawyer to actually say to you in that initial conversation, you know, this is what we think it's going to cost and this is what we're going to deliver. And, you know, I've gotten to understand your story and, and, you know, I'm an expert in my field and yeah, it's, um it's crazy. So absolutely. That was the number one reason why people said no, no to lawyers. Yeah. And more importantly, how did you overcome that objection? Well, so um I, I, you know, in hindsight, looking back, we were completely nuts to think of, I, I actually think, God, we had some balls back then because <laughs> we just thought we would go out and we would explain this to the lawyers and they would be like, right. Yeah. I want more clients. Absolutely. Yeah. Actually, this, this makes a lot of sense. I think I'll do it. Um, and instead the reality of what I found was when I actually started going out to um, the legal community, I was just being told, you know, there's nothing wrong with what we do we make a lot of money um you know predominantly 65 year old white male men um, would sit me in their office and school me on you know this isn't the way it's done you can't disrupt this industry um so yeah it was it was incredibly difficult and interestingly um who were our first kind of uptake of lawyers were mums who had left big t roles or perhaps in-house counsel roles and had a family and wanted to still be a lawyer and thought, you know what, I can do this from home. I can work virtually and flexibly and remotely. Um, there's technology that I can use to get to my clients. And yeah, actually, um, my clients do want fixed fee and they do want to know upfront. And if I can tell them that, then they're more likely to engage me to do the legal service. So it was really sort of finding where we, you know, we fit in those early days and getting the natural curiosity kind of going. I mean, luckily, around sort of 2015, we did start to see here in Australia the sort of rise of what we call the new law firm. And, you know, when I use that expression, what I'm actually really talking about, it's a firm that sets all its processes, all its procedures, and everything that they do is in line with who their client are. So they actually take, they set up like probably a business in every other industry, but in law, it's revolutionary. We call it new. Um, But what they do is they take a moment to think about who their clients are, how they want their legal services delivered, you know, how they want it communicated, what technology do they want to use, who they should collaborate in in order to give them a full service. So, um, you know, we were, I guess, quite lucky in one sense that, you know, whilst we were sort of getting out our message, there were these firms coming up and realising that you can actually build really successful law firms off the back of these principles. Um, and then we've really just um, been very stubborn um, and just kept our message going time and time and time again. So, um, you know, now here in Australia, I'm asked to talk all the time about new law principles, um, you know, what that includes. We've now got over 100 lawyers on our platform delivering these amazing legal services to clients all around awesome. Australia um, so yeah it's 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 incredible um, and you know the lawyers it's really interesting because I vet so probably what our most valuable thing that we have at Legally Yours is we've got this really strong vetted network of lawyers so I meet speak to um, virtual have virtual coffee with every single lawyer that we allow into our network and the reason I'm doing that is probably uh, um, back to my recruitment days where I used to sit with someone and I was able to make really good judgment calls on, are they going to be a good fit for our culture? Can I imagine being a client and engaging with this lawyer? Um, and, and we're all about, I mean, so when we started Legally Yours, we really wanted to show the human side of lawyers because um, lawyers tend to have this sort of way of marketing themselves, which is, you know, I'm in a suit and I've got a tie on or, you know, I've got a dress on and my stockings and I'm really professional and I'm a bit stern and I shouldn't smile. 
And we just thought, you know what? That's not what clients want. Clients want to be able to relate to you as a human being and, and see you as their trusted advisor. So I make every single lawyer get on camera with me and film the video with me, which I then put as part of their profile. I, th I think and what you've just said yeah. relates back to a lot of different, <laughs> a lot of different um, verticals, not just law. Yes. Like you yes. say, um, sales has got a bad preconception of um, yes. people rocking up in a suit, in a sports car, <laughs> giving all the talk <laughs> and just hyping people yes. up into, into closing the deal, closing the sale. So yes. um, that's such yes. an old school thing that's now completely out the window. So what you've said so there relates absolutely. to a lot of industries, not just law. No, absolutely. And I think that, um, you know, I'm still, I still get told today when we do these and it's funny because, you know, there are some lawyers who are complete naturals on cameras. I've had some that sweat and bumble and they're just, you know, so incredibly nervous. Um, but the thing is, is, and I say to them, the reason I'm doing it is that I'm trying to really bring out their personality. And, you know, it, it means that when clients go onto our platform and they're trying to select what lawyer they should have, they actually can look at their photo. They can read a really friendly um, bio about them. We we also make them put what they like to do outside of the law so you can get an idea of what their interests are and then they can watch the video and go well could I trust this lawyer with my family law matter with my will with my commercial matter with my business with my litigation with my employment law matter so you know it's all of those sorts of things but really making sure so um, I did have a millennial once say that we were like the tinder for legal with which I was kind of like oh my god no you've missed the point but when she explained it to me she said no what you do is you help build a relationship online from Got the it. client to the lawyer and I thought okay yes well I'm all right with that <laughs> I'm all right with that then. But yeah, okay so, yeah. excellent stuff Karen so that's that's interesting to learn kind of the the digital aspect of it and virtual vetting um yeah. so what I'm interested to know I'm sure the audience is getting a hundred lawyers signed up I'm sure was no easy feat over the years um so yes. it'd be interesting to learn how you've been able to grow the business from the starting point to where you're interviewing prospective clients and understanding their fears and objections of working with law, law yeah. firms, recruiting all yeah. these lawyers, so 100 lawyers yeah. on your platform, and how you've grown the business to where it is now. So that might cover some digital marketing channels that you've had success with. That might cover some offline yes. channels. That'd be great to learn yeah. to how you've scaled it. Yeah, absolutely. So the offline channels were actually incredibly important. And the offline channels that we used was we really were just out and about in community and joining different networking groups and being out there with businesses and then getting to understand lawyers and where they are and what their pain points are. And again, it's the same principles on both sides of our marketplace. It's really about listening, understanding, you know, how we can, you know, help themselves. So not jumping to the solution straight away, but trying to get an understanding of, you know, where things might not be going quite right for them on both sides. Um, so, yeah, really sort of getting out into the community. We do a lot of free virtual education sessions and we've always okay. sort of done that. So hmm. by that, what I mean is, is that we'll go to a business group and say, hey, you know, we know that you've got a really vibrant group of startup founders. Would you like some free, um, an, an hour's free worth of a lunch and learn type session with a lawyer talking about the three essential documents for your startup? Um, and they can, they can speak to the lawyer. Um, so we've been doing lots of those sorts of things. We've done family law events. Um, you know, we've done all, a whole heap of stuff. And we also do that in law as well. So um, as I mentioned before, I spend a lot of time talking um, to, you know, law students at university, to young lawyers groups 
groups to the law societies, um, to all sorts of different law associations to really get them understanding about what fixed fee and value-based pricing is, why it's good for clients, but also why it's really good for them. Because as soon as you start equating your value, stop equating your value with time and you equate it with the value that you provide, which is your expertise, your advice, um, the technology that you're using, all those sorts of things, you can actually achieve a whole balance whilst being really successful too. So certainly those offline channels are really important. But then for us, the key, I think, you know, we use social media um, quite cleverly. So LinkedIn okay. for me is about, um, you know, we've, we've got obviously legally yours LinkedIn, but also myself and I've got about 10 and a half thousand followers on LinkedIn um, here in Australia. And, and I've sort of built up that list based upon just sharing never any stuff about me. Um, it's quite rare actually for me to kind of talk about the story of legally. It's always sharing the stories of others. Um, and by sharing the stories of others, people get to understand actually, yes, this is a platform I could use, or this is a platform for me, or actually I should be part of the network. Um, so consistent messaging on social media, really, really key. Um, and just, and, and showing up and being present and COVID has been a really interesting thing played out, particularly here in Australia, because we haven't had, I guess, the level of impact um, that's happened in other countries in terms of deaths and, and, you know, yes, it's been horrible, but we've had the isolation and it's been really interesting because we've seen there are people who just have gone away and hid and are just hoping, you know, they go into hibernation and this is for law firms too, where they just hope, you know, lock the front door and I'll come back when COVID's over. And then you've had the other lawyers and the other business owners who've actually said, no, this is my opportunity to serve during this time. And it's not about selling, it's about serving. So making sure people get lots of free information, free help. This is what we do and this is how we want to help you. And it's all of those businesses and law firms that will be remembered post-COVID of being there and actually, you know, showing up when people need them. So, um, yeah, social media has been really key with that as well. And just, and collaboration, collaboration. So, you know, we collaborate with a lot of business networking groups. We collaborate with a lot of um, relationship groups. We collaborate with a lot of law societies and, and collaborate with other, um, you know, other businesses so that we can really sort of build out and see each other grow together and successful. So, you know, collaboration is key. And would you say one of those, so we've, we've covered quite a bit of ground there, Karen, we've covered networking, yep. free lunch and learns, we've covered like talking yep. and keynotes, collaborations with other companies and businesses, and then on the digital yep. side of things, the so social, LinkedIn, yep. sharing your business yep. story, being kiss, consistent, showing up yes. every day um, and being consistent with your messaging. Would you say one of those channels has been particularly successful more so than the others or are they all quite an equal share? I think they're all an equal share because I think you, you combine all those things together and what you actually have built is trust. You've, you've built trust in your brand. You've built um, relationships that you can rely on. Um, you've built, you know, a community that's, um, you know, surrounding you and wanting to see you succeed. So I think all of those are necessary ingredients, you know, particularly with the type of business that we're in, which, you know, started off as a disruption business and really lawyers did not like what we were saying. Um, and now over the years, we've actually turned into an enhancement business. So, you know, we're very much known as we build and, and scale and enhance, um, you know, the transaction of legal services, so the accessibility, but also people's law firms. Um, so, you know, I think it's all of those things have taken us to that to that point today. Excellent. And was it particularly difficult to, to get people onto an online channel when they were used to doing everything offline, face-to-face -face and, and things like that? 
Yeah, so clients were um, were already there, majority-wise. So we've actually found consumers. I mean, our consumers probably early days were still the ones that were sort of just sending off lots of quotes and just really kind of maybe, you know, they weren't that serious about engaging. And now to sort of today, 2020, we've got actually very sophisticated clients. And it's been really interesting because we even have sort of, you know, some pretty, you know, big corporations that want to kind of engage with the lawyers in our network because, you know, maybe they're dissatisfied with the traditional, you know, hourly rate um, law, legal service provider that they've used. So I think, you know, that has certainly changed. And, and we purposely built our platform to replicate ha- the behaviour of how consumers purchase goods and services in other industries. So we want it to be really friendly, easy, convenient for them, lots of information, um, you know, the more that we can, you know, show people's faces and really get them having a great experience through the platform, the better. Um, but with the lawyers, I guess it was hard because a lot of law firms still had paper files paper files and safes and you know um, legal tech is still and as I mentioned before I sit on the board of Alta and legal tech is still pretty much in its infancy in Australia um, in terms of you know the uptake of lawyers and law firms using legal tech but I mean the great thing is I mean we had our virtual AlterCon just a couple of weeks ago and we had over 500 international delegates attend that um, right. so you know the, the interest is there um, you know certainly what COVID has shown is that lawyers need to understand technology and have an online presence um, and they need to get to know and and understand how to deliver legal services virtually and how their clients are accessing them virtually. So, you know, we we kind of say um, in the legal tech industry that COVID really just brought forward probably 10 years of us trying to kind of convince lawyers that this was the way to go and all of a sudden now, um, you know, it was the must-have. So, um, you know, I guess our responsibility is just to make sure that they continue on that journey um, because, you know, it's better for clients to, to have that tech sort of there but um yeah, yeah inter- it's been an interesting ride <laughs> no it sounds yeah. it and, and what you said there ring, <laughs> rings very true and I think that's yeah. that's the same for a lot of industries and a lot of different business verticals um especially with us I mean we stopped doing meetings face to face at web choice our digital marketing company probably about a year and a half ago um yes. and revenue's only risen so we yes. we basically realized that we saved money by not traveling like for example, London for us is about two and a half, three hours train journey. So yeah. we'd spend a lot of money going out there, meals with clients and all this, when we could just set up a yeah. Zoom call, do the call in 30 minutes, an hour, yeah. either win the business or lose the business. Either yeah, way, we've, we've made best use of our time. We've made best use of the client's time. Um, and COVID's just reinforced that really for, for both us and I think a lot of other companies in terms yeah, of efficiency and making better has- use of people's time. Sure has. And it's really interesting that because I've found that the people that um, or the businesses that really sort of have gone that extra mile to kind of be out there during COVID to say that they're serving and doing all sorts of different things are, are typically the ones that were doing this long before. So, I mean, we were the same. I was doing virtual events for a long time before COVID hit just because I knew that that was the best way to deliver legal education to a, an audience who, you know, sometimes it's really hard to digest legal information, um, but they wanted it over a lunchtime. They could grab a sandwich and coffee they could listen to it while they're going for a walk or they could you know listen to it while they were um you know sort of on their lunch break so again it it harks back to if you know who your client is who your customer is then you know how to get best to them um and deliver that service excellent stuff karen so just before we finish things are there any habits that you've got any daily habits that you think have been a good contribution to your success and your business success that you follow that you recommend anyone tuning in should be into 
Yeah, interesting. Um, so I certainly, um, I always carve out a little bit of time. So as I mentioned, I've got four kids. They're all at primary school and one's at high school. Um, but I always sort of start my day with a walk. And I actually really, I walk the, my younger three to school. I actually really like taking that little bit of moment to actually just clarify and run through okay, yep, this is what's on for my day. This is what I need to do. This is, you know, how I'm going to attack the day. These are the goals for what I want to achieve. Um, I'm a furious writer of post-it notes. So I have, if you had a look at my desk right now, you would see post-it notes covering all of it. Um, so I really love making lists and love sort of being able to, um, you know, still manually. And I think that's probably showing my age. I love to manually write things down and then cross them out as I go. So still very goal oriented. oriented. Um, but yeah, just, I mean, you've got to kind of love what you do, particularly if you're in your own business um, and you're doing it. It's, it's not a nine to five proposition. You know, I do spend a lot of hours and, you know, I'm doing stuff on the weekends, but I honestly love it. I really love it. I feel like this was, you know, right back from that 12 year old to, to where I am now. I'm, you know, doing something that I truly love and believe in and feel passionate about. And I know that's not, you know, what everyone can do or, you know, wants to do even. But um, for me, certainly sort of understanding, you know, what, I, what it is that I want out of life and, and just going for it and having those moments has been great. So, yeah. Great to hear. <laughs> Excellent. And Karen, if you could thank just one person, either dead or alive, having a positive influence on yourself and your career, who would that be and why? Oh, it's, it's sort of a cliche, but Nelson Mandela for me was really, and I don't, you know, he, I guess, cause you know, I sort of was a teenager when apartheid was going on and, and just watching, you know, his and learning about his story and how he overcame adversity and how, you know, he had such a, a strong, um, you know, foundation of belief and, and systems of what he was doing. And he really was up against a system. So for me, I've always, I mean, I, I remember reading his autobiography and, you know, he, he certainly wasn't a perfect person by any means. Um, he had his, he had his demons and he had his faults, but, you know, I think that sort of um, the way he just, he, he wanted to change the world and he did. Um, and he had that sort of, you know, complete sort of forgiveness, um, love, generosity. He knew how to build a community. So um, thanks, Nelson. Uh, yeah, look up to him for sure. <laughs> Excellent. That's a great choice. Well, everyone, you've been tuning into Sam's Business Growth Show, where we sit down with business leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs from around the globe. We find out their story, how digital marketing has helped along the way, and their exclusive tips and insights to help you skyrocket your business. Karen, <laughs> tell us a bit more about your company, the best way for people to get in touch, and how we can connect with you. Absolutely. So legallyyours.com.au. Um, absolutely. Um, head on there and have a look at our platform. You can view all our lawyers on there and you can really good, get a good understanding of what we do. Um, so Legally Yours, we do all types of law um, with the absolute guarantee that you would never get bill shock when you um, request to have a consultation and an engagement with one of our lawyers. So um, that's sort of us in a nutshell. And we have lots of, um, on our blog page, lots of free um, information, legal information, legal videos, all of that kind of stuff to really sort of help people feel empowered to engage um, and if you need to get in contact with us we've got an info at legallyyours.com.au or you can email me direct you can find me all there LinkedIn's great um, please connect with me on LinkedIn um, if you're interested and I love to to follow other people and hear their stories too so um, yeah that's about it excellent thank you very much for coming on Karen <laughs> thanks so much Sam thanks for having me are you tired of constantly hunting for new customers you could be missing out on regular inbound opportunities all because your website isn't on the first page of Google. Perhaps you're already spending lots of money on advertising, but your website is failing to convert all of your hard-earned visitors into a consistent flow of new customers. 
If you'd like to learn more about our unusual approach that brings idle clients straight to you, connect with Sam Dunning on LinkedIn or book a free 20-minute consultation via webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. Subscribe today for more digital marketing, sales and business growth tips from the experts.